Welcome to Close It Now, an HVAC sales training podcast with Sam Wakefield. Here, we'll build your reputation in residential HVAC sales to be the expert influencer in your market. You'll get insight into the top minds in the industry as they share their skills and hacks to help you on your journey. This podcast isn't just about selling more. It's about understanding your customers' needs and building efficiencies behind the scenes so you can sell more but work less while being top of mind when people think HVAC. Now, let's get started with your host of the Close It Now podcast. This is Sam Wakefield. All right. Well, welcome back to Sam Wakefield with Close It Now. I know it has been a little bit of a gap uh, between uh, the last few episodes and this one, but if you're listening now and in the future, you won't even recognize that or realize it. But for all of you faithful fans out there, everyone who's been listening since day one, uh, basically what happened, you know, that sometimes things change when you have a service that doesn't always uh, keep up their end of the bargain. So basically, the service that was hosting the podcast turned out to have some glitches and some issues. So I had to make a change. So that explains for all of you wondering, that explains the delay in a kind of a podcast gap, so to speak, that happened. But we are back better than ever. In fact, everybody, so the new schedule moving forward is I'm really excited about it. It's going to be Mondays will drop my solo podcast with uh, just like we've always done, mostly uh, with my, just me on here. <laughs> Thanks for listening to me talk about the things that are important to sales, the important to sales philosophy, important to the HVAC and just in-home selling and trades industries. And then every Friday moving forward, we're going to drop and interview, which is awesome. So that is what we're doing today. I'm really excited to um, bring on our guest today. And real quick before I introduce him, make sure to go join our Facebook group. It is uh, just search close it now in groups on Facebook. It'll come right up uh, or HVAC sales. We're one of the top uh, Facebook groups and fastest growing on, on Facebook. And uh, so go join the Facebook group. There's been some really amazing discussion lately. It's also a place that you can go to it when, you, when you hear a podcast and something piques your interest, something you have more questions about, uh, you can go in there and start it. It's just a, a, over a thousand like-minded salespeople just like you, comfort consultants, comfort advisors, project managers, uh, selling techs that are in there. Uh, it's, it's not like the other Facebook groups. It, this is a 100% positive, uh, supportive group. Um, if somebody comes in with attitude or uh, is demeaning, like some of the other groups happen, we check them at the door. So don't, uh, don't worry about that. It's a completely neutral space where we're there. We exist to lift each other up and uh, train each other. And so you, we all have a better experience and we go out and crush it. You know, it's, it's, uh, at the end of the day, it's about making the, you know, serving others, making a sale we can only serve others by them giving us money and, and making the sale and then you know go home and living a better life because of it how many people can we touch and help today so i am so excited about our guest today this part we just happen i i love the beauty of linkedin and the beauty of social media because sometimes the people you connect with are completely unexpected 
but unexpectedly amazing. And this, uh, this gentleman is definitely exactly that. We got on the phone the other day and had an instant connection. He, he thinks very similar to me, but I think you're going to really appreciate his insight because he comes from a completely different perspective. Um, my, my guest today, his tagline, which I love so much, it says, become a fearless salesperson and double your sales this year by retraining your brain for success. Raise your hand if you would like to double your sales this year by retraining your brain. Absolutely. So <clears throat> quick intro for him. He is uh, 18 years ago. He went from high tech to brain tech. Uh, he has been a keynote speaker in 14 countries, uh, author of three books with one more that'll be coming out uh, to be determined here in uh, soon. I know he's working on it super hard for everybody. As soon as you hear him speak, you're going to want to pick it up as soon as it comes out. Um, he also hosts the No Limits Selling podcast. Uh, which is hit a big mile marker that just hit over 200,000 downloads, which is fantastic. And congratulations. Love to introduce you. Uh, this is Umar Hamid. He is an NLP coach and uh, just trainer. So let's have a re really fantastic conversation today, Umar. Thank you for being my guest. And uh, yeah, take a couple of minutes and uh, fill us in a little bit about why in the world did you go from high tech to brain tech? How did you make that transition and why? So, hey, everyone. Thank you so much for inviting me, Sam. This is going to be really cool. It's kind of interesting when you were doing that intro. Back in 1990, I ran a small computer consulting company here in Toronto, where I am right now. And uh, one day, uh, somebody was saying, you know, uh, if you want to get better, you should go see someone that does NLP. And it's like, what do they do? And it's like, well, they help you get unstuck. And I had just taken up the game of squash, which is super addictive. So everyone listening, never play squash. You'll be, become addicted. It'll become a lifelong <laughs> passion. But I sucked at it. And But a couple of months later, I got better. And two, three months later, I got better. So it was like plateau, plateau, plateau. But in my business, I was coasting. And one day it was like, wait a minute. How come I'm coasting in my business and improving in squash so much? I have passion for both. I have drive for both. I have love for both. I work hard at both. Why is one succeeding and not the other? And then I remember the NLP thing. So I went to see this woman called Una Elliott. I'm not sure what voodoo she did, but whatever the block was in my business life, she removed it. And I just felt it in my heart of hearts. And as I was walking out of that session, it was like, I'm going to learn this someday. And so ended up moving from Toronto to Silicon Valley, went into the high tech world and NLP is kind of the birthplace is Silicon Valley. So became a practitioner, master prac, became an instructor. And in 2003, left high tech, went to brain tech because I realized my purpose in life very much is to help people break through their barriers so they become awesomer. And Sam, I know it's not a word yet, but if we <laughs> keep it up, it will be. And so I use, we use awesome all the time. I love it. Brilliant. It's great. And so I did something insane about four or five days ago. I sold my house in Baltimore, Maryland. I got rid of all my possessions and I decided to go hit the road and go see the world as the pandemic is kind of winding down. I'm fully vaccinated, ready to go. So first step was Brooklyn. Second step was my sister's house in Brampton, Ontario, Canada, <laughs> where I'm in quarantine on day two of a 14-day quarantine, but back in Toronto, 
where it all started, my journey with NLP. And now this is another journey where I'm actually going to, from here, going to Athens, Greece. And basically what I realized was just meeting people and talking to people and realizing what insights they have sometimes are the insights that I need and also what we all need to mm-hmm. understand that we are one people. It doesn't matter where in the world you're from, what really counts is how can I do better? How can I make a better world for my kids? How can I have safety? How can I have happiness? And so that's my mission now. Not Kung Fu, Kwai Chan Kane, Walk in the World, but pretty <laughs> close to it. So right. thank you for the invitation. And yeah, it's if we can get people to understand how the human mind works. So just before I pass it over to you, Sam, here's one vision of I have in my mind of Einstein. This probably never happened, but I could see him in this large auditorium with 21 blackboards of ugly, horrible math that would give a mathematician a nosebleed. You and I would die on the spot. But he took that ugly math and came to the other side of it with a simple equation, E equals MC squared. Any kid in elementary school can figure out energy or matter from that equation with a calculator. They don't need to know the ugly math. And until now, the human mind has been this ugly, horrible mess that we don't understand. And my mission is how do we, and NLP really helps a lot, condense it down to a simple little formula that we can use to get the insights and the breakthroughs that we need. And so that's where I am right now. And that's my mission. And that's why I'm so privileged, privileged to be here with you to get to evangelize it and also show some of your people before we finish today, some tools they can use right now today to get the change they want. So they kind of go, Holy crap, Sam, that really worked. (laughs) Absolutely. I love it. And I'm I'm so glad that you mentioned that two things. Uh, here in just a minute, actually, for the listeners, because everybody knows that I mention NLP a lot, yes. um, neuro-linguistic programming, um, but from an expert's perspective, um, one of the, just, it doesn't have to be a long, but just a, take a couple minutes here in a second, and just kind of give us a quick overview of what that actually is. Sure. Um, you know, from from coming at it from a very lay person's side of things i know of what nlp is just from experiencing it and all of you know read dozens of psychology books and nlp books however i'm not taking the courses like you so that's the first thing i would love for you to take just a quick second and break it down but the other thing i just wanted to mention i'm glad you mentioned this is you know we everyone listening to this podcast knows that just about every single episode um, I'm, I'm all about let's let's cut away the cut away the fluff, cut away all of the extra, all the extra junk, all the extra bullshit, and just let's get to something that we can apply immediately. So I love that we're on the same path there, because as I know, as you know, with NLP, it does all it doesn't have to be a big long process. All most changes happen in an instant, and then you're completely different. So give us a quick overview of what, uh, in your mind and from the expert's perspective, NLP NLP is. is. So I'll give you a little bit of history and the beauty of NLP and its uh, Achilles heel. So kind of the thought process when they started, it was uh, John Grinder and Richard Bandler formed it. And this was kind of the philosophy was, look, there's people out there in the world doing exceptional freaking things that sometimes they don't even know how they do it. Like sometimes you can ask a tennis player, you know, that service kick-ass amazing. How do you do it? And the guy goes, well, let me tell you how I do it. I do these five steps and I get this amazing serve. Or sometimes they say, I don't know. I just do it. 
But if they give you the five steps of how to do a kick-ass amazing serve, then you go to somebody that's you know like mediocre at it, guilty. And you ask me, Umar, how do you do your amazingly average serve? And I go, well, that's easy. You do these five things. And it's like, wait a minute. How can the world's best person be doing the same five things that you're doing? And there's totally different results. And what uh-huh. Richard and John found was that a lot of what we do happens at an unconscious level within us. Mm-hmm. And so they said, why don't we go interview the smartest people in different areas from tennis to psychology to wherever and figure out what they do, get that essence. And we could teach that essence to other people and they'd be able to do it as well. And because of that, they said, NLP is always evolving and changing. Cause if we find out that some medicine man in the jungles of Africa is doing something kick-ass amazing, and they're doing a bunch of like dogma, like blah, 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 blah. But what they're doing is this process in the middle. Why don't we glean that process and we could use it everywhere. So NLP was expanding and changing as it went. That was the whole idea. When you have something that's always a moving target, it's hard to define it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people that take NLP and teach NLP, from my point of view, which could be jaded, it's like NLP is the only way. It's the best way. And if you don't think it's the best way, you're wrong. And that wasn't the intent of NLP. It's like, this is the best way we know now, but we're probably wrong, but we'll find a better way to do whatever that is. So here's my definition of NLP. NLP is understanding how the mind works at an unconscious level and understanding that change happens in the instant is what you said. So a good example of that is somebody that goes to uh, you know, first grade and the teacher says, Sam, could you read the next page to the class? And Sam goes, oh, okay. And then you mispronounce a word and the teacher gives you a look and the other kids snicker and Sam decides, I'll never speak in public again. And he could stay in that instant. He went from being okay to an instant being stuck. And then Sam gets to a retirement community at the end of his career. And he's in this community and the people that are running it are doing such a bad job. One day he gets pissed off and says, those damn people are screwing this place <laughs> up. I'm going to run for president. Even if it means I'm going to have to speak in public. And in an instant, that fear of public speaking just disappeared. So somebody went from 60 years to get to that breakthrough, or you can have somebody that goes to a psychiatrist for six months to get to the breakthrough. NLP is all about, why don't we get to the change point today? Mm -hmm. Get rid of all the bullshit and let's just get down to what's the essence of change. And that's what NLP is, is EM equals MC squared, but for the mind. I would do simple uh-huh. techniques that create change immediately. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. This is, is something that is so influential with what we do as salespeople as well, because obviously we're our, you know, our, our mission, our goal is to, in fact, in most cases, walk into a house basically as a blind date and in 45 minutes to an hour, be leaving that house with a fully committed marriage proposal. Oh yeah, <laughs> of 20, 30, 40, 50. I mean, I've, I've, I've done that with a hundred thousand dollar projects. Um, so for, to, in an hour to hand somebody a hundred thousand dollars or $50,000, that's Stop. a big transition. Can I correct you, Sam? Yeah, absolutely. Feel free. Cause you're not walking away with a marriage proposal. You're consummating the marriage. If you're getting a hundred thousand dollars, which is even better, right? It's one step further. Yeah. That's what, <laughs> yeah. that's really the whole goal of the marriage anyway. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it is, it is amazing. I've got some clients that actually do uh, door-to-door vacuum sales, Mm -hmm. which I was like, that's still a thing. 
it's still a thing. And they walk out there with like eight thousand dollar orders, and it's like uh-huh. uh, it's it's magic. That's like sales where it should be, door to door, person to person. Who are you? Hi. Yeah. Can you come Absolutely. in? You know, in fact, door to door knocking is a it's a massive industry now. Um, so many so many industries, especially uh, like solar. Um, alarm systems, pest control, they still embrace it. Like this is one of the main um, business models for a lot of companies even still. And so in fact, there's a whole door-to-door knocking conventions that still oh, happen. I, I know a lot of people in my team are really embracing it and rediscovering the magic of just talking to people in person out of the cold like that. So uh, a friend of mine does, his name is William Sullivan. He works for Eris. And uh, one of the things he does is, you know, when he's in the house, they purchased, then he basically asks them, you know, how's your arm? And they go, uh, uh, it's fine. And he goes, I didn't twist it too much, did I? (laughs) Like, are you sure you want to buy this? And I didn't like pressure you in any way. And that's what, uh, uh, that's what he does. And it's, so he's not forcing anybody to buy anything. It's just connecting and it's his last mm-hmm. check to make sure uh, he hasn't stepped over the line. And because that's not what we do when we go and do that is how can we serve the customers in a way that they get what they want and they get their problems fixed and mm-hmm. we get to be the heroes that help them do it. I love it. Oh my gosh. Let's pause here real quick and unpack that for a second because that is, that's, that's powerful. Everybody, did you hear and understand what Umar just said? <laughs> because wow, how, because I get a lot of questions of how do we prevent cancellations? You know, we get a lot of people in homes that'll make a sale. And then, you know, if it's not, well, there, there's two kind of philosophies and especially in the heating and air industry. One is once you make the sale, get it installed as quickly as possible to not give them time to back out, um, which is definitely one way of doing business. I've always been a firm believer that people choose you for merit, not because you uh, convince them and then hurry, hurry up and got it in there and didn't give them time to make a uh, make another decision. I want them to choose me because it really is better. Right. But what you just said to lock that in, wow, because now the second that they, when we double verify, basically, you've got them all the way through the sales, all the way through the close, all the way into enrolling in your program or signing the paperwork and then to double check and be like, you know, do you, that didn't twist, that didn't hurt too bad, did it? You, you really do still want to do this. Man, that double confirmation is powerful. And the thing is, if you do that line with like a, a salesy line, oh, I didn't twist your arm today. It's like, you know, excuse my language, but, but if you yeah. do it with a little bit of humor and humor basically cuts through to trust faster than anything I know, mm-hmm. and you do it a little bit of humor, but the intent is, I just want to make sure you're okay, Sam. You do that and you'll build a stronger bond and you'll get more yeses and less people backing out at the last minute. Right. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay. Back on track. <laughs> That's powerful. Hope everybody wrote, made notes there and uh, use that immediately. That's something, those little things you can use right away that'll make a big difference for you. Uh, but back on track. So keep going. So the question is, uh, what the, I won't say the last word because, you know, we're a PG program. Is like sometimes <laughs> we want something so badly, and it could be in sales that uh, what's curious is you have some people that, Umar, I can talk to strangers no problem, but I can't talk to anybody that knows me. 
because they're going to think that, you know, I'm using the relationship or I'm needy or I'm starving or something. Mm -hmm. And there's other people that's like, you know, hey, I can talk to people that uh, are my friends, piece of cake, strangers. Oh, my God, I can never do that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the heart of who we are as human beings is where we hold our beliefs. And we have anywhere from 50,000 to 100,000 beliefs that define who we are. Not an exact number for it, but it's a large freaking number. And how Mm -hmm. we get those beliefs, most of them by the age of seven, is somebody in authority says something that seems believable. And it could be a mom or a dad or an uncle or a grandparent or a teacher. Somebody in authority says something. And then we go as dumb little kids. Okay. And it just goes in our unconscious and guides us from there on in that thought. So let's say the the thought was, let's take an example of... uh, a family going to buy a new car one Saturday morning. Little Sally's in the back seat. She's five. And mom and dad are in the front. They pull into the dealership. And mom turns to dad and says, sweetheart, if you really like a car, don't let the salesperson know that they'll force us to buy it. <laughs> Customers do that all the time. All the cars next to their vest. Little Sally's in the background hearing this conversation and goes, don't trust salespeople. And it becomes a belief that you cannot trust those sleazy wankers that will force you to buy something. Right, and there's a really right. good chance that she'll become a salesperson. But she'll reach a certain plateau and won't go beyond it because somewhere in her unconscious mind is, if I become a really good salesperson, I'll become one of those people that forces people to do things they don't want to do. And I don't want to do that. So they have all the training they need to do it. But when they go to execute, that voice comes inside their head. You know, hey, you don't want to force them or they'll think or whatever that makes us pull our punches and so the question is how can we find those limiting beliefs to overcome those so right. a is we get all these beliefs by the time we're seven and i'm going to just add one thing to it and then i'll switch it back to you sam because you're the audience asking questions because there's people listening to this later on going but what and you get to ask that but from seven till the time we die we get another five percent of beliefs because at the age of something something amazing happens we have this thing called a cell phone and your dad says something and you go, are you sure? I'm going to check that. I'm going to fact check you. And what's interesting is uh, a friend of mine, uh, she's a Catholic. Are you Catholic, Sam? I am not. Some of the listeners are, they'll know what I'm talking about. Mm, Absolutely. Sam and other people are going to be out to lunch, but you'll learn something new. So my friend, she wakes up in the morning, goes down in the kitchen And as she gets to the kitchen, her parents are having breakfast at the breakfast table. And her mom turns to her and says, happy birthday, sweetheart. And you reached the age of reason. And my friend goes, what? She goes, now that you're seven, (laughs) you know, anything you did wrong before the age of seven didn't count against as a sin against your mortal soul. Mm -hmm. But now that you're seven, everything counts, baby. And she's like, mom. When you tell me this when I was six, I got to use this information. (laughs) So (laughs) when we get to seven, all of a sudden we become discerning. We just won't take information in. So how we get beliefs is that if something happens with a lot of emotions, humans are meaning making machines, we make meaning out of it. So let's say we did something and dad was really excited. And that uh, could mean that I can do anything. And uh, we could get a kid, the same thing happens. We do something amazing. Dad gets really excited. And we make meaning out of it. That's just doing that to make me feel good. Sure. I'm not, I'm not that good. Even though there's evidence contrary, as soon as you get a belief, positive or negative, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and you cut off 
all other options, your goal is to validate that belief. And if the belief was, Umar thinks I'm incredibly handsome to women, then regardless of all the negative data, I'm not looking for it. If one woman looks at me and smiles at somebody behind me, I take that as a smile at me. It's like, aha, I am handsome. <laughs> and then I start this swagger when I go into places. And when I do that swagger, people find me more attractive. Mm-hmm. He's got confidence. And it could be the other thing. It's like, uh, I'm unlovable. Even though Sam loves me and my sister and my dog, uh, I look for examples when my sister didn't treat me in the exact perfect way that I wanted. It's like, aha, I'm unlovable. And we make that thing that was imaginary and we make it real. So beliefs control who we are. And I said a lot, Sam, any questions that come up? So if, if I'm hearing you right, that sounds like our expectations are what is a lot of what is controlling that. It's not, it either confirms our expectations or is it disproves our expectations and then from there we we tend to start to move down that path because what we our level of expectancy is what we'll find so two levels to expectancy one is a conscious level Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's like uh, i'll give you a good example in your industry yeah nobody's going to want to do a sale with me and then sure enough they go to the third house and they say oh my god we need one of these things and you know what they do when they go back to the office? Hey, man, I got a sale today. I don't believe it that they bought from me. And <laughs> because they actually don't. Mm-hmm. And they will not use that as proof as possible. They use that as proof this was the rule, the exception that proves the rule. So there's two right. levels of uh, expectation. One is a conscious one. But the more mm-hmm. powerful one is the unconscious one where there's a belief underneath driving it. We're not even aware because consciously we say we're going to go. We're going to do a great job. It's going to be amazing. Today's the day, baby. But the deeper expectation is salespeople are sleazy. You don't want to be a sleaze, do you? And that expectation will change our behavior to screw things up. So yeah, absolutely expectations, but there's two levels of it. Right, right. Oh, totally. So when now that we're kind of unpacking this and knowing about the expectations and the limiting beliefs that we've knowingly or unknowingly been socialized into from the time we were, were little, um, just born, in fact. Um, so what do we do with that? How do we, we've made it, awareness is the first step. What's past that? So more understanding, more awareness. I'm going to go there, then we'll talk about what's past it after that. Okay. So our beliefs create a model of the world, how we think the world works. And you could have a sales manager in our industry that has, you know, uh, four salespeople underneath him. And he goes, you know, hey, we're trying this new technique. We're going to do this. And in person A, salesperson's A model of the world, that's totally doable. Like hot dog, let's go do it, baby. Person two, in their model of the world, that's not possible for them. Mm-hmm. Sam could do it, but not for me. And so they'll say to their boss, all right, boss, we're going to make this happen. Well, when they go to do it, either they won't do it, like just disobey orders, not do it. Well, they'll do it in such a way that's guaranteed to be a failure. Mm -hmm. And uh, so our model of the world, the reason we have the model of the world is, Sam, you may not realize that, but your brain is lazy. But so is mine. (laughs) So here's a data point that you I'll admit it, 100%. (laughs) I'm always looking for the most efficient ways because I don't want to take any extra steps. That's what the brain does. So here's a data point that's kind of interesting. Uh, A 
a chess grandmaster will sit down for a day of chess and physically he will pick up a one ounce piece of wood and will move it two or three inches every 20 minutes or so. He uses 6,000 calories that day because that's how much glucose your brain uses to process information. So he's okay. actively deeply thinking. You know how long I have to work out to do 6,000 calories? I can't do 6,000 calories <laughs> physically. So what That's enormous, is, yeah. The number one thing your brain is doing right now, Sam, in the safety of your home is looking for danger that could kill you, even though the chance of that is minimal. If there was a sudden noise in the background, you do that instantly, react to it, because the number one thing your body needs to do is perhaps Sam to pass his DNA onto the next generation. To do that, you have to be alive. And so your brain is looking to keep you alive. And so it says, okay, in order to do that, if something goes down, like you're driving your car and a tractor trailer comes into your lane, you get superhuman uh, reaction times. You get superhuman strength. You Any pain that you feel, basically you don't feel till the whole thing's over. And you get this massive change in your body that can only happen if you have resources to do so. So your brain defends from wasteful energy and it creates these processes, these little processes we call programming. And we go back to the original NLP, neuro, the brain, linguistic, the language of the brain and programming, which was an unfortunate word because people thought you're trying to program me, which was not the case. They should have used processes because that, that fetching outfit that you're wearing this morning, a part of your brain that you weren't aware of processes what i choosing chose that output with the least amount of thinking so you saved energy so in case some shit went down you were ready to take action and save <laughs> right. yourself so we have this model of the world that dictates what we allow ourselves to do and what we say maybe yes to but we'll never do then from that model of the world we get behaviors and behaviors are visible and you can see your behaviors and if you can't see them sam if you have a spouse, she can, and she will tell you, <laughs> why the hell are you doing that? Like, Never mind. Uh, 100%. I hear that a lot. And sales managers can see the behaviors. And salespeople can somewhat see the behaviors. I want to do this because I like doing this, and it's safer. It's in my comfort zone. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the stuff over here, eh, eh, I feel uncomfortable doing that. We're not going to do that. And so our behaviors give us our results, and we can measure our results, especially in sales. If you're not getting the sales you should be getting, then you kind of go, I need to change my behavior. And right. your boss goes, or you go, I'm going to go get some training and I'm going to change my behavior from here to here. Mm -hmm. But what happens is most people never make that change. Sure, absolutely. And some people- they, Their thermostat stays the same. Yeah, and some people make that change for a day, a week, or a month, but go back to the old way. Here's why. Let's say this is your behavior. Underneath every behavior that counts is a belief in our unconscious that controls it. This is like a black hole of gravity that is hidden outside of your awareness. Strongest force in nature, and it locks in that behavior. No matter how hard you try, you can't change it. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you get so inspired, we do change it. But if we didn't address the underlying belief, the gravity's still there. And after a day, a week, a month, we go back to the old way, like, change never happened. 
And we all have friends right. who've gone to this workshop and said, Tony Robbins, oh my God, he's amazing. <laughs> he's amazing. I walked the fire. It was amazing. Life changed forever. And then after a little while, some of the behaviors change permanently, but some of them go back to the old way. It's not that Tony didn't do a great job. He did a phenomenal job. It's just that they didn't change their belief around it and they go back. So beliefs are everything. And that's what NLP is really good at is identifying those beliefs and then transforming those. So let me give you an example of how powerful this is. I was working uh, with the East Coast team of company. Uh, uh, they do uh, firewalls. And the number one salesperson came in to see me on the East Coast. And he comes in and is like, dude, how can I help you? You're already the number one sales guy. He says, I've got this one problem. I said, no, what's the problem? He says, referrals. When I go to ask for a referral, I feel uncomfortable doing it. So sometimes I ask badly. And sometimes I don't even ask at all because I felt so bad about it. It's like the anxiety came up. I said, okay, tell me about a time uh, recently that you went to ask for a referral and that feeling came up. He says, oh, two weeks ago, I was at a client site. I said, okay, in your mind, I go to that client site and I want you to see whatever you saw back then when you had that conversation with him. He says, yeah, I'm seeing the client and, you know, the back of his desk, you know, the wall there. I said, okay. And then I want you to hear whatever you heard, the conversation, your inner thoughts. He said, I'm hearing it now. And you do those two things. You get to re-experience what you were feeling. What you were feeling, he goes, oh, there's an uncomfortable feeling right here. And that's exactly what I felt back then. And I asked him, have you felt this before? He would have gone, uh, maybe. But there's a tool from NLP you can use to link this feeling to the unconscious mind that records everything. And as soon as we link that feeling together, instantly, he went back to a childhood memory that he'd forgotten. He says, oh my God, I've forgotten this. I was about seven or eight years old. I was in the kitchen with my dad uh, and one of his buddies from work and the two friends were talking and my dad went to his buddy, you know, real men don't ask for help. And little Paul grabbed that thought out of the air and it became a belief, not, a, not okay to ask for help. And so when he asked for $500,000 to GM to get one of their firewalls, piece of cake. But when he says, hey, Sam, you happy with our service? Who would you recommend in other divisions of GM? can't do it. And so we identified yeah. the belief, where it came from. We transformed the belief, send Paul on his way. And Paul reports back about a week or so later saying, Umar, I'm not sure what the frick you did, dude, but <laughs> I'm asking for referrals and my customers are so happy to give them to me. This year, my sales are going to go up 30% minimum, but something weird's happening. Weird? What's happening? That's weird. He says, you know, cold calling, it was okay always, but now I really, really enjoy it. Because the first step of cold calling is, hey, Sam, can I have a minute of your time? It's asking for help. And it was violating wow. that belief. And so when we changed the belief, he became like an animal. He was the number one guy. Wow. But it was just like freaking exploded. And so that's what I do for people is one issue. We resolve it in one month and it's done. So either it's a belief around money, self-worth. You know, I can go into these accounts and I'm freaking amazing. But if I go into a house that's a, a $5 million house, then I'm like, uh, <clears throat> and I feel like self-conscious, like why? It's the same presentation, uh -huh. but something changes. <laughs> Remove that in a month. Come in, uh -huh. one month, one issue, gone. And that's what I love about NLP. It's quick, it's fast, and it's permanent. How powerful. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. What a cool story. Um, you know, I know that as especially, obviously you've worked with salespeople for so long. But that asking for referrals and 
you you're starting to really name the big three struggle points coming three yeah i mean so there's the asking for referrals is a huge one cold calling and following up those are literally the three kryptonites of basically any sales industry um so if so everybody listening raise your hand if you can get rid of just that are uh (laughs) hot points to salespeople asking for referrals (laughs) cold calling following up and following up which should be the easiest freaking thing to do in the world awesome it should be yeah it should be I mean, so can I tell you about so much about, yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. So everybody struggles about the presentation and get that mastered, but it's those little things. And then, man. So I met, I was doing a keynote presentation and this uh, woman comes up afterwards and says, Umar, uh, I won't name the uh, organization, but they do a lot of fundraising and her fundraising is done on yachts. People with a lot of means in the DC area, Washington, DC. Uh-huh. And, you know, in vacation spots where their, their you know, vacation homes are. He says, you know, I'm, I chat with them. I go to their yachts. We have a great time. And then they say, you know, we're going to get back to you in a week. And she says, I called them up to get the freaking appointment, which is freaking difficult. I went there. I met with them. We had a great conversation. They mm-hmm. want to give. They said they'll call me so I can never, ever call them back. Ooh. They said they call me. I can't call them back. And of course, this is hurting her numbers dramatically. And so we did that one month kind of transformation. And for her, it's like I'm calling back comfortably, easily. And they're going, "Oh yeah, I just got busy. Sure, we'd like to donate a hundred thousand dollars to that cause." And <laughs> so we had a great time. They want to do it, but somehow it violates a rule. So what's interesting is. We have rules that we've developed, Go, going back to that process, NLP programming process, okay. that it's okay for me to be effervescent in this setting with Sam, but if it was a different setting with Sam, it'd be a different set of rules, and all of a sudden, I'd be more sedate and more right. contained, and it's like, why? So a good example is, so I'll give you like a, a dumbass Umar thing. On the scale of dumbass moves, this would be like on a scale of one to 10, this would be a 15. So back here in Brampton, I decided to to learn how to fly. And so first thing is you get your solo permission to do. And so I got my solo permission so I can take the planes up and do what I want. But it turns out flying is the most boring thing in the entire world. Even pilots will tell you that. It's like, you know, uh, with moments of sheer panic is the way they describe it after a while. And so after a while, it was boring, but there was this one maneuver that was freaking amazing. You're flying along and you start uh, pulling the plane up higher and higher and you get to a certain level where there's not enough power in the prop to keep the plane afloat. So it falls out of the sky. And as it falls out of the sky, you give it full rudder. And so it starts spinning out of control, full speed going towards the earth. And what you have to do is you have to kill the power so you're not accelerating towards the earth. And then give it opposite rudder so it stops the spin. And then just pull the stick back so the plane starts basically bleeding off the airspeed. And then you just give it full power, you're fine. But you need 4,500 feet from the ground to when you do this maneuver. So you got enough space to do this. Sure. Rule number one, freaking important rule, 4,500 feet. There's a second rule that's not as important. Never fly above the clouds because you're still learning and you'll get lost. And so one day I'm going and the clouds are about... 2,000, 2,500 feet. 
but I'm doing this maneuver because I'm bored and it's a fun thing to do. But which rule do I obey? Do I obey the 4,500 <laughs> foot rule where you will die if you don't do it? Or the 2,500 foot rule? The 2,500 right. foot rule. And I do this maneuver. I swear to God, I saw grass blades. That's how close I came to buying <laughs> the farm. I was going to go into a farm. And ever since then, I've been really, really fascinated with like police. Uh -huh. uh, serve and protect on one side. It's a cardinal rule. And then if a citizen is acting like a, a dick, all of a sudden sure. I need to be respected. And sometimes their zealousness on being respected overrides the serve and protect rule. And then you get sure. like this overuse of force alienates the public. And mm -hmm. so abuse of power, yeah. Teach people. So the cops are the bad guys. Just two rules in in the mind, and they just chose to follow the one because you can't obey both. And so for right. salespeople, it's like not I can go into accounts, you know, companies that are $10 million companies, I can go in, I can, I'm a beast. I'm comfortable, I'm engaging, and I do everything perfectly, and I walk away with a lot of wins. But my dream mm -hmm. is, back in Baltimore, we have uh, McCormick, it's a spice company, it's like a billion dollar company, probably. And they're dreaming to go into McCormick. And as soon as they walk into their lobby, all of a sudden, it's a different set of rules. And they second guess themselves, they stumble over their words. And it was something they were dreaming about for a year to get in there and they screwed up. And the reason they screwed up is a different set of rules come up. And in a minute, we'll right. talk about the three places where people get stuck. We've already spoken about uh, limiting beliefs, but we'll talk about other things. But does that make sense that, you know, sometimes yeah, absolutely. you can be amazing in this area of sales with these people. We just need to do the same thing at another area. And then all of a sudden we sabotage ourselves and we're like, mm -hmm. Why? Why, Lord, yeah, why absolutely. are you making me suffer? <laughs> mindset. I've, I've 100% been there. You know, actually not in the, the past few years, there was a situation where I, you know, I go into residential, any size house. I've, I've overcome, over the years, overcome the issue of, well, as long as the house is less than, you know, say $250,000, $300,000, then I'm good. And so I, I've worked past that you put me in any size house. It could be a $20 million house. It could be a hundred million dollar house with 18,000 different units. It doesn't matter. I'm the same person now. However, there was this one situation when we got the tour of the home from the, uh, the, the person who actually just keeps the house. He's telling us, showing us all of the Ferraris and the Lamborghinis and uh, telling us about how the, shows us this big life size of the owner of the house on the cover of Forbes magazine. Oh, wow. Telling us about their penthouse in New York and their vineyard in Australia and all these things. And instantly I had this moment of self-sabotage. Oh, I don't oh, know yeah. if I'm good enough to sell this one. And I was like, I, because I know a lot of these techniques, I was working very diligently in my own head this whole, during this, it was, a, it was an hour to get a tour of the house before you could even look at what we were there to look at. And, and I think just because the house manager was like, just really proud that he got to take care of it. But in my head, I'm having this struggle of like, this is, let's, let's break it down to the microscopic, the air conditioner is the same as any other place. The furnace, the heater is the same as any other place. All of these, the rest doesn't matter. Why am I, I recognized having that struggle? So 100% know exactly what you're talking about. 
<laughs> so I had this. Uh, so the second place people get stuck is something called hot wiring. And hot wiring okay. is, uh, I had this uh, gentleman, his name's Brian. He's in the financial uh, advisory world. Uh-huh. And he hears me speak and says, Umar, I need help. I'm starting to death. I should have quit this industry three months ago. I am uh, working with the number one financial guy in the world, practically, you know, in the top 0.1%. And I thought he was going to hold my hand and guide me and, you know, I'd be his protege. And he was like, there's the freaking phone. <laughs> Make the calls. <laughs> Down for dollars. <laughs> I, can't, I can't pick up the phone. It's just the worst thing in the world. And so what we do is we figure out what's happening at an unconscious level. This is what's happening. When the guy picks up the phone at home, hey, John, how are you? This is Brian. Not, not a big deal. When he looks at the phone in work setting, like I'm going to make cold calls, that's the trigger. And as soon as he sees the phone, he gets an inner voice inside his head. Do you have a negative voice inside your head sometimes, Sam? And listeners? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Of course. And so he, the voice says, you're no good at this. And cold calling doesn't work anyway. So what's the point? And that causes him to make a picture inside his head. And the picture is of a CEO, uh, a leader of a company being super annoyed that somebody's interrupting his day. And that makes him feel very, very uncomfortable. Then he looped it. From the uncomfortableness, it made the voice more toxic. It made the pictures worse and the feeling worse. And after about a few seconds, the last thing he wants to do is pick up that phone. So we say, okay, the trigger is looking at the phone in a work setting. And then you talk to yourself badly. You make bad pictures. You feel bad. You keep on doing it till, till you get a nosebleed. So then I said, okay. So what we'll do is we need to capture some emotions because emotions are critical. So I go, Brian, tell me about a particular time where you felt a burning desire now, when you felt curious, tell me about a time you felt really, really curious. Guy says, uh, yeah, when I was about eight years old, my brother and I found the presents, the Christmas presents that my mom hid. I dare not open them because <laughs> they were wrapped, but I shook them and I smelled them and I just had to know what was inside. So we get that curiosity and we make that the first emotion that we capture. Then we go, okay, tell me about a time you were decisive. And he thinks about a time it was totally decisive. He captured the second emotion. And then we said, tell me about a time you had a burning desire. This is when I graduated from uh, university. I purchased uh, a new car. I had no business buying a new car, but that was a symbol that I had arrived in adulthood. So nothing was going to stop me. I had a burning desire to buy the car. So we get three emotions and we installed it inside his mind that when you see the phone in a work setting, there is a pathway that's already developed in your mind. Talk to yourself badly. Make bad pictures, feel bad, keep on doing it till you don't touch the phone. Now, second pathway we install, same trigger. Look at the phone. For an instant, you feel incredibly curious. You figure out all the things you could do with the phone. One of them, not do anything with it. The second one is you become insanely decisive. So you pick one of those things that you came up with with curiosity and you pick it. Then you get a burning desire to take action. Nothing in the world is going to stop you. And then we installed two pathways. The first one that was pre-installed. The second one is a new one. The human mind will always go for more pleasure than pain. Uh, the first one's causing pain. And then I got a call back from him saying, Umar, 
oh my god each time i look at that freaking phone i want to pick it up and start dialing and so the guy's using the phone comfortably powerfully elegantly and then about three years later on linkedin it's like hey umar you might know brian harner say oh my god three years ago i did that month thing with him i wonder how well he's doing and so I go on LinkedIn and say, hey, Brian, we worked together three years ago. Let's connect. Guess says, Umar, three years ago, I was ready to quit this business. That year, like one of the highest recognitions in that industry is the Million Dollar Roundtable. Uh-huh. says, I joined the Million Dollar Roundtable and I haven't left since. Nice. And the one thing that was stopping me was the fear of the phone and you helped me overcome that. And that is what I do. So in terms of being elegant on the phone, you know, on a scale of one to 10, I'd probably be, a, as an instructor, a really good six. But in terms of getting <laughs> over the fear of picking up the phone, I am a master. The fear of going sure. in a house and getting people to, to buy what you do, I'd be another solid six out of 10. Sam's going to be the master. But overcoming the self-doubt, overcoming the, uh, all that BS that's happening here, that's my mm-hmm. life's mission is helping people do that. And, uh, so ask some questions and I want to guide you through a process because I promised to teach something that people could use yes. right away. So I want to do that before we part company today. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, I just want to kind of emphasize that real quick. You know, everybody that, um, so everybody listening, you know, when all my coaching clients, everybody that coaches with me, you know, one of the things that we go through is, yes, we absolutely have a, a very powerful sales system that I've put together based, and so much of it is based in NLP. It's based in how how do we subconsciously connect with that client on a level to take that, that moment of rapport that happens for most people, usually 30 to 45 minutes into the appointment, and how do we move that forward to the first five to 10 minutes, and then imagine what the rest of the visit is like when you're working together to solve a problem versus you know, the first 40 minutes, you're still trying to overcome, hey, I'm not the creepy sales guy. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and, and so, when, yes, we go through that system. But when I'm, when I'm coaching with people, one of the big, biggest conversations we have is, yes, we're going to learn this system. But at the end of the day, the scripting, the checklists, the things we have to look at, a trained monkey can do that. That is not sales. Sales is what happens around the process? What is What are the intangibles that nobody can see? So, and, and this is where so many, so many, especially new and, and intermediate salespeople get stuck as well as, you know, people out, sales managers, maybe you were always a, everybody's listening. You're an owner, you're a sales manager. You were the rock star salesperson. You were the number one in your area. You dominated and they moved you into the sales manager position and now you're having your, ever all of your team seems to be checking all the boxes. They're say, they can say all the words, they know all the stuff, but why are the cells not going up? Why, why are things not improving? And so that has to do with uh, exactly what we're talking about today is resetting our own belief system and our own thermostat. You know, I was interviewed not too long ago. They were like, what makes you a top salesperson? What makes you that, that person that, you don't lose a contest if there's a contest. I was like, because I know, I believe that I'm the person to do it. I know that I'm going to win the contest going into it. I, I don't take no for an answer. 
it's that I stay in the batter's box longer. I, I do the, I just has nothing to do with learning the skills has everything to do with believing that my outcome is where I want it to be and visualizing that. And so that's exactly what this is about. I'm so excited. I can see you have some input. I'm going to add something to it because I think you hit on something really powerful there. Uh, you said, you know, I don't, I don't take no for an answer. And more importantly, you don't take no from yourself as an answer. Right. Because even with that mindset, you're going to get some doubts coming in. It's like, hey, there, I got this. And I think we need to learn to say no to ourselves. Uh-huh. And that's what the belief's about. So, Sam, you ready to learn something? Yeah, let's do this. Yes. All right. So, Sam and dear listeners and viewers, uh, how important is self-esteem to how well you do in sales? It's critical. It's everything. Critical, right? Yeah. So, right now, dear viewers and listeners and Sam, so Sam's going to answer, on a scale of uh, from uh, zero to 100 uh, on self-esteem, zero would be, you know, uh, Things are not going well. A hundred is you can't wait till I shut up so you can go in the bathroom and look in the mirror and go, you're so beautiful. What's your <laughs> level of self-esteem on a scale of one to hundred right now in this moment? 85. 85 and dear viewers and listeners, write down your number, whatever came up for you. So Sam, I'm gonna take you on a, on a thought experiment. Uh, you're about to be interviewed by USA Today because I wanna talk about you know the best sales coaches in the country, but they want to go beyond that. And so a friend of yours says, you better prepare for that interview. So you go in this room that's divided in two with a glass wall. And on one side of the room is uh, is a table, a chair, a tablet, a paper, and a pen. And you're sitting there and you start writing your accomplishments all the way back to when you were in kindergarten, doing those finger paintings that your parents thought you were a genius and you were so proud. And what you did in elementary school and Sunday school and high school and summer jobs and things you did for your family and community and for the homeless, that you start writing down all your accomplishments from as far back as you can remember to what you did this week. And as you're writing your accomplishments, the essence of who you are steps out of your body. Some call it higher self, some call it, call it soul. And you step out of your body and you go through the glass wall and you stand on the other side of the glass wall watching yourself write your accomplishments on the other side of the glass wall. Can you see yourself doing that, Sam, for a moment? Yes, I can. Yeah. And then as you're standing there, Sam, I want you to think of someone from your life, someone that loves you very much or values you highly. When you have that person that you're thinking of, just put up your finger so I know you've got that person. Good. So imagine they're standing right beside you, watching you write your accomplishments on the other side of the room. And since your spirit... I want you to step into their body for a moment and see yourself through their loving, caring eyes, watching you write, write your accomplishments and just see how much they love you and care for you. And since you're inside their body, you can hear what they think about you, how much they love you, how much they care about you, how much they value you. So hear all those thoughts. And finally, since you're inside their body, just feel the depth of their emotions for you, the loving, the caring, the valuing. And with all those three, you step out of their body, you go through the glass wall, and you step back into where you're sitting right now, where you are right now, listening to my voice. When you step back into your body, it changes things. When you think about your level of self-esteem, that number is? Oh, geez. That number now, it's got to be as close to 100 as you can get. Yeah. And what that does is 
I could have told you brilliant things about you, Sam, like your successes and how handsome you are. And do you know you're made of stars? We're all made of stars and all that bullshit. <laughs> that's nice to right. hear. But that's just, you know, as soon as you hit the first speed bump, that goes away. What I showed you was a process that's intrinsic, that if you have kids, teach it to them. If you don't have kids, go to a park and teach it to a kid there. You might get arrested, but that's okay. It's for the greater good. <laughs> but before you go into the best sales uh, job you're about to do, just doing this exercise in the car before you walk into a house is going to change things dramatically. So that's the power of NLP. And what I've done in my career is go, this is NLP. And I've gone on a journey. I also became a really kick-ass, amazing hypnotist to understand the human mind. I've gone into the realms of the energetics of what human beings are, exploration of the soul, exploration in art, and just condensed all of that to make NLP bigger, to make it simpler to use, more powerful to create transformation. And that's my life's mission is how to help people break through their barriers. They become awesomer. Thanks for having me on the show today. I really, really. Oh my gosh, this has been fantastic. I love it. So I hope everyone has gotten some, um, got some, some valuable lessons, say things you can implement immediately. Um, and that exercise, that's powerful. I'll tell you from sitting here doing it, man, that it's taken me, and we talk about this a lot in the podcast is, you know, if all you need is just seconds of complete, absolute confidence and bravery, and you can do anything. So how, even on a bad day, because on a good day, you know, you're going to appointments and you're doing sales. We know the best time to make a sales right after we made a sale, because we're already in that energy. We're in what's called that peak state. But how do you get there on the bad days or right after, you know, something did not go your way or you're just not feeling hundred percent. This exercise we just went through, will do that, man. I tell you what, I know that hundred percent I can. I'll pick up the phone right now. I I can't wait to do this podcast so I can pick up the phone and start dialing for dollars. <laughs> start making gold calls. Really, because my confidence level is there. But um, so so that is how that's when you're out in the field. Do this. Sit in your car. Do that visualization. Get to that place where your confidence is you know ninety five, a hundred, whatever you know your your top confidence level. Then walk in the door see how things change for you because people buy people they don't necessarily I, such a firm believer that in the first five minutes your client has decided if they're buying from you or not the rest of the appointment is up to you to continue that relationship or to talk yourself out of it um, so i was so just bringing this, this up this i'm so not sure if you can see it this is an app coming out it's on web but it's coming out okay. on uh uh, Apple and uh, Android really soon. And what it does is this, is that uh, I'm going to go to sales mindset and I'll, mm-hmm. and there's a, a track there called uh, handling objections is eight minutes, 31 seconds. And it's me okay. and you had taking you through an NLP process. So before you get on the phone and dial, you just become a ninja in handling objections. You get the right mindset for nice. it. Or you What's go, the name of the app? it's called mindset boosters. I'll send you a link to it. and uh so it's available on the web but soon to be on your phone uh through the app store and what it does is the the rebound track i i'm so proud of because some salespeople go in to do that really big sale that the vp of sales is counting on it the spouse is counting on it they're counting on it and just customers sometimes they say nah i decided not to do it and it can be crushing right 
and it can bum you out for an afternoon or a week or a month or a quarter or a year or a lifetime that you listen to a track for for seven minutes, 30 seconds, and it gets you to get overcome the defeat and feel unstoppable. So you're back on the hunt Mm -hmm. again immediately. So this app is designed for salespeople to basically get the help they need exactly when they need it. And so it's not a meditation app like I feel rested. It's like, screw that. It's like, how do we get you in the right mindset to be a kick-ass, amazing salesperson no matter what? Right. Love it. Oh, that's, so I'm going to send you a awesome. link to this. So Fantastic. report back how you love it. I'll do it after we finish this thing. Definitely. And to everybody listening, I'll make sure that that link is in the uh, in the accompanying blog that will be with this, the transcription for this. So I know that you, we talked earlier, and of course you have three books that you've written so far, and you mentioned you have a fourth one coming out soon. Um, why don't you take a second and just kind of give us some, some highlights of what that's going to be about, and then also tell us how our listeners can get in touch with you? How can they find out more about Umar and how to get in touch with you for coaching if they decide they want to? And I highly recommend this, everybody. I can teach you the skills. I can teach you the system. But belief system is everything. And this is the the person to go to to get connected with the belief system and how to overcome those things that keep us from being the top performers. So the first, uh, the new book is, com- is going to be, working title right now is 10 Ways to Overcome the Fear of Rejection. And so it's show you 10 kick-ass, amazing, powerful ways, just like that self-esteem exercise, to just be rejection uh, intolerant. Basically, you will not feel rejection. You just go do what you need to do in a loving, powerful, amazing way. Mm-hmm. So I'm really pr- I'm going to be proud of that book. hasn't written yet, but uh, we're going to start writing that really soon. So the ways to get a hold of me, go to the website, no limits with an S selling.com. And it's the center hub for everything. You'll find out about the app, the programs. And I work really, really well with other coaches because like I said, on, if you want sales training, I'm a six out of 10. So you don't want me helping you do that. You want to be freaking unstoppable. I'd be best in the world, like the top 10%. So uh, that's why Sam is going to give you the mechanics, is going to give you the know-how, the expertise in your industry. You need that. There's three components to bringing freaking amazing. One is you need the right strategy to be successful. Sam's going to help you with that. Two, you need the right sales skills. Uh, Sam's going to help you with that. And the third part is mindset. That's where I come in one month engagement. We're going to get you unstuck. So you become unstoppable. That way you can take all the information Sam's giving you and use it in the way that he wants you to use it. So once again, no selling.com. Uh, this is my mission in life, Sam. Thank you very much for a great interview. And I'm looking forward Absolutely. to our next, so I'm going to have you on my podcast really soon and we'll continue <laughs> to great. love. And this time we'll focus on what you do exceptionally well. Oh, fantastic, man. I so appreciate it. Um, everybody, thanks for listening today. This has been a just awesome interview. I, I'm so happy that I was able to connect uh, with Umar here. And uh, gosh, everybody, um, if you didn't get some value from here, go back and listen. Because some of the things that we talked about, I'm, I'm actually still sitting here imagining ways to work them into the system. Because the, you know, the, the psychology of selling, how brains work, 
that's that's really sell sales is a transfer of enthusiasm it's understanding you know 50 percent is understanding why people want to buy the other half is understanding what's keeping them from buying and being the person and just over and over and over in the podcast you've heard me say work to become that person worth buying from and stop saying yourself. smart things i have to keep on going to get shit to write it down I just want to get a pen <laughs> Oh, I love it. But that's it. So everybody's heard me say over and over, you know, work to become that person worth buying from. And as your personal growth grows, and your your le- own level increases, the level of person that buys from you also increases to accompany that. Um, but at the same time, when you know that you're the expert in your field, when you know that you're that on the scale of one to 10, you're functioning in a hundred, it doesn't matter who the person is. There's no no limits on, you can sell to, it, here's a great example too. I was in uh, in Austin not too long ago, go into a home. Um, I, of course, I didn't really know who this person was to start with, but turns out this was, uh, you know, quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs and local hometown hero. And, you know, we, when we're talking when the section of conversation, when I realized who this person was, the wall of trophies, all of those kind of things, I had that moment of like, wow, I've a little bit of tiny little bit starstruck. This person's clearly uh, at a different level in some cases. But what happened is that the second we came back to why I was there, I, I literally had a moment of like, had the conversation with him of like, thank you for sharing about your life and every, all your accomplishments. I, that's awesome. I, I really appreciate what you do. You know, thanks for being a great role model. Now it's my time. Let's talk about what we're here. And this is my field. And so I'm basically, the here, baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like, okay. And so it was really fun to see that, that transition of how, not power, power is, is actually a good word for that. That transition of influence uh, went, that scales one back over to, okay, I'm the expert here. I know about air conditioning and heating systems and HVAC, you know about throwing a football. And so, and not to, you know, not one is not better than the other, but to have that transition. So Absolutely. And that's, that's crucial. And I like this quote that I probably made up, but it's, basically what you said we're all a dumb at something <laughs> absolutely Throwing a football that would be me uh, really bad at that yeah I, it's not my thing but how we can connect with people that are experts in their field it doesn't matter who they are you know i 100 could walk in and would have no problem selling an air conditioner to or any anything else because it's about listening it's about asking the right questions it could be elon musk it could be warren buffett it could be anybody in the world knowing that I'm the expert in what I do. Um, they're the expert in what they do. And so to meet and have a great conversation surrounding that, not getting stuck in our head of that imposter syndrome. So I feel like I'm just rambling at this point. So <laughs> let's wrap this up. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, clearly, I've got a lot. To, my, my, my gears in my head are rolling. So brain dumping a little bit of that. This will this will inspire a lot of podcasts, everybody. So oh, brilliant! Just know Sam, that that's thank you coming. so much for having me on the show. Yep, absolutely. We will be in touch soon. 
And for everybody else out there, uh, go to closeitnow.net. You will be able to find the link to this podcast. Also, you'll be able to, all of Umar's uh, contacts, his website, his podcast, links to every his link tree will be on the uh, on closeitnow.net. Um, or go just go straight to no limits selling.com and you can get in touch with him there. Uh, thanks for being a guest on my uh, on the podcast, my friend. I will talk to you soon. Have a great day. Everybody Cheers. go out there, save the world one heat stroke at a time. Thanks for listening to Close It Now with Sam Wakefield. Subscribe to the podcast now so you're first to hear new episodes jam-packed with actionable tools and tips to make you the top HVAC professional in your market. If you have friends and colleagues who would like this show, share it with them and send them to our Facebook community for more in-depth discussion about the challenges we all face and how to overcome them on the Close It Now podcast. 